Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, and design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week I bring you a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I have come to really trust with my wellness. They have zero THC, meaning you can't get high from their products. They're organically farmed and they're gluten-free. I love sleep and when I don't get it, I feel like my entire day, my entire week, my entire life is thrown off. And during these times of stress, I started taking Soul CBD's sleepy gummy before bed and I swear by them. Most nights, all I need is a half of a gummy and these little babes have put my sleepless nights behind me with one delicious fruity bite. Their unique blend of CBD, CBN, and terpenes helps you fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and improve your overall quality of sleep. I always wake up refreshed. It's my new bedtime bestie. So our friends over at Soul CBD, I contacted them and I got a discount code for 15% off your order. Just head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-Turn at checkout. That's Y-O-U. Now let's get into this week's episode. U-turn friends, you know how much I love the love category and we can't keep going on in the love category without talking about pleasure and intimacy. So I wanted to bring Alicia Davon onto the show. She has a master's degree in integral psychology with a focus on women's romantic and sensual expression. She's trained as a therapist and began to lead numerous women's groups devoted to female pleasure and life fulfillment from career to relationship. And together with her husband, Erwin, she developed the pleasure course, which has helped thousands achieve their ideal love lives They are extended orgasm teachers, and they have so much to share around sensual orgasm. I wanted to talk to them about how to succeed in various stages of a relationship, chemistry, creating chemistry. Um, Even I want to ask about erectile dysfunction, like all of the random things that we think about in our relationships, but maybe we don't talk about. So without further ado, Alicia, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. It's great to be here. I'm so appreciative of your time. And I just want to dive straight in and ask you, what are some of the most common challenges that you're seeing amongst couples as it relates to pleasure? That's a really great question. There are there are a few very, very common ones. So my work includes singles and couples. So people listening, if you're single, or if you're in a relationship, we address both of those things. But for couples, the main reason that couples come to see us is um, they're struggling with chemistry, passion, having that romantic vibe be at the forefront of their relationship. It's just kind of 
normal and common for that spark to decrease over time. And everybody kind of knows that, but not everybody knows how to deal with that. So um, that's the most common thing that we see in couples. Okay. And what would you say um, in response to that? Like, would you say that that's just a natural thing that it becomes harder to nurture that romantic sexual like energy between two people? Or is it that we've been taught something as a society that you think is keeping us kind of off kilter? Like what's your take on the matter? Well, I would say, first of all, that this is super common. I mean, I literally hear the same story every time I talk to a couple. And of course, there's nuances and specific details that couples bring that are very unique to them. But first, I just would really say that it's common. So there's nothing wrong. It's mostly a lack of education and skill as to how to nurture the relationship. So um, it is kind of normal in our society to be like, all right, whatever. This is my old lady or my old man now. You know how it goes in marriage, like no sex or little sex or, you know, that kind of thing. People joke about it and it's super cliche, but it's completely possible to nurture the connection. And the thing is, is that the couple needs to be deliberate about that. When you're in the beginning of the relationship, generally the turn on and that passion comes for free. You know, there's novelty and newness and excitement and you don't really have to work for it, you know? Um, And then as the relationship progresses and you get more used to each other or other things enter the picture, you know, like living together, having kids, um, jobs, getting older, whatever, the romantic aspect goes on the back burner. So we have very specific practices that we give to couples to bring the connection back into their relationship. And we also address things like uh, time management. We call it lifestyle design because these days people are super busy and distracted and find themselves at the end of the day, just wanting to collapse and zone out on Netflix. And it's not a bad thing. Not like I never do that, but just managing the time and the space. So the relationship has time for that nurturing. Okay. So one thing that I think comes up for a lot of couples, and I'm at least hearing about it in friend circles is number one, the consideration of having an open relationship. I have some friends that that works for them, other ones that they wish it was working for them, but it's really challenging. Um, and, and also you know, especially when there's like sexual, um, I don't want to say disconnect, but just like the desire to not be fully monogamous. So I would love to hear, um, a little bit about what you think about that. If you have any ideas on how to consider that for yourself or, you know, just what your take is on it in general. And then another thing I want to ask you about is erectile dysfunction. I have been hearing more and more in my later thirties from friends who their partners can't have an orgasm or they, they the man can't stay hard. Or I, I just would love any of your insight on these things. Yes. So there's, there's a lot. Um, so the open relationship topic, I mean, I am Erwan and I are based in the San Francisco Bay area. So believe me, there's all sorts of stuff going on, you know, in different circles. And we certainly work with people that like to have extracurricular fun in their relationships and that sort of thing. 
My experience is, first of all, um, most couples tend to do better in a monogamous situation. So we're not against uh, open relationships or anything. We do have certain uh, suggestions for how, when to do that and how to have that go well. So I'll get into that in a minute. But, um, you know, in general, most people are just drawn to monogamous situations. You could argue, oh, we're conditioned to want that. And there's certainly a bunch of great books that kind of trace it back and explain all of that. And these these ideas are all really great. But the key is tuning into what you want and what you're drawn to, not what you either are supposed to do or want or like what your partner wants or whatever. You just want to tune into what's going to work for you and for the relationship. Um, the other thing I'll say is that it's, it's very natural to have attraction to other people, even when you're in a committed long-term relationship. So allowing that kind of, um, energy to run through you, you know, to notice someone and let yourself, you pass a, a woman or a man on the street, you find attractive and like letting yourself feel that, letting yourself look at them, maybe sharing that with your partner, maybe not just depending, you know, it, it, the decreased chemistry in relationship, it, what adds to that decreased chemistry is when the couple is like, oh, you should only look at me. You can't look at other people. You can't, you know, it's like, I just think that it's healthy to be able to feel those things and keep your juices flowing. However, acting on that is a whole other thing. One situation where I generally see open relationships not working so well is when either one person in the couple wants it, the other one doesn't. And the other, the one that doesn't is trying to want it or trying to make it work for them for the sake of the relationship. Maybe they even think it's a good idea, but there's just something not, not fitting for them. <sighs> Both people need to be a hundred percent on board, especially the woman. And I can get into more detail about that or why, although it probably makes intuitive sense. And peep the other it's, I wouldn't use opening up a relationship to resolve a problem. A lot of people are like, well, like nothing much is shaking between us. So let's get some juice outside the relationship. Open relationships don't tend to work that way because the source of the lack of chemistry is not that there's not extra coming in from the outside. So it's, it's bound not to work very well. The open relationship situation works the best when, like I said, the couple is both people are authentically a hundred percent into it and their communication is rock solid. Their sex is off the charts. Both people are completely filled up and they have extra that's when it works the best. Okay. Beautiful. And um, kind of going into other, for lack of a better term, challenges that sometimes exist because there's that challenge of like attraction and on one side it can be healthy. And then on the other side, it can be disruptive. If one person wants to open up a relationship, the other one doesn't. Uh, but then there's also just basic satisfaction. And I feel like um, the amount of women in my life that have mentioned to me that 
um, they had sex and that the, the other person couldn't keep the erection or they can't have an orgasm. I would love to normalize this and take a look at like, how common is this? What is it really about when this is happening for everybody who's listening to kind of start to think about their own sex life and how this applies or doesn't? Yes. So with the erectile dysfunction that you're bringing up, Erectile just dysfunction, um, premature ejaculation, all these types of issues. We'll talk here about the men's, the male's side. It's becoming more and more common these days. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So um, one reason for that is decreased chemistry in people's bodies, deep, you know, whether it's because they've been together for a long time and the chemistry has died down and they don't know how to build it back up or, um, people are distracted these days. I mean, we're on our heads more than ever with technology and phones and things like that. So being in the body, feeling our bodies is one of the ingredients to chemistry. So if you're kind of finding like you're having trouble getting turned on as a woman or a man, or you're having trouble keeping an erection, that could be part of it. Another reason is misuse of pornography. I'm not saying use of pornography is a problem. I'm not against it. There's certainly some really kind of nice and you know tasteful porn out there, whatever, but the overuse and especially with ejaculation a lot, especially as a person gets older, can be problematic. It can add to erectile issues. Um, then there's other things like once a man starts to have issues around erectile dysfunction and things, he can get <laughs> and understandably insecure about it and the partner can get insecure and then he can end up psyching himself out, you know, which, oh no, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope this doesn't happen. Uh Oh, it happened again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it's premature ejaculation or dysfunction, inability to keep an erection. So that needs to be addressed. And then there's some other things um, like the use of plastics and, you know, how that affects sperm count and fertility and virility in men and everything, which uh, is a factor as well, but not as much as the other things I just listed. Okay. So I'm absolutely fascinated because I feel like having erectile challenges on the men's side is probably quite common. Do you have any numbers for how much this happens? And then also same thing for women with orgasms. Do you know what the extent of challenges is on that side of the fence? So I don't have exact numbers necessarily, but a lot of women also struggle with orgasm. I mean, this is a huge topic. We have, we have classes all about orgasm and that kind of thing. Many women come to work with us who have trouble having orgasm. I also just want to put in here that many women don't necessarily have trouble with it, but want to expand it or feel more or enjoy it even more. So we can work that way as well. It's not just about solving problems, but there are a lot of problems. And it really, really comes down to our psychology and our minds. In the last 20 years, having worked with thousands of singles and couples. I've never met anybody whose body 
you know, physically didn't work properly. That's kind of what what people fear is like, there's something wrong with me. You know, there's something wrong with my body. I can't reach orgasm. I can't reach orgasm myself or with a partner or both or men have the issues we were just talking about. But because of those things, I was just listing, you know, not knowing how to ignite chemistry in your own body because people think, well, chemistry should just be there or not. And if it's not here, it's not here. But really what I have to say about that is you can deliberately increase the chemistry in your body. We have ways to do that. So, you know, because of that, or because of maybe psychological blockages or issues, like a lot of people have had difficult situations in their past that inhibit their ability to just let go and feel their bodies and have pleasure. Um, and then the other things that I mentioned with the distraction, the technology, the porn, I mean, women feeling pressured to have certain kinds of orgasms, like they're missing the mark. There are so many reasons <laughs> yeah. that we, that men, men and women have trouble with orgasm. There's lots of reasons. Mm. Okay. So this makes me also want to ask about masturbation, um, and porn addiction, because you'd mentioned porn. Um, I know some people who are really struggling in their marriages with porn addiction. And one of the partners that, um, keeps watching porn in private and it's really affecting their sex life. Um, I also, I've always heard a lot of dialogue around masturbation. Like I've had friends who are kind of offended that their partner masturbates and why don't they come to them when they want to have sex? I mean, it's just across the gamut. So I would love uh, any feedback you have on what you see as healthy when it comes to a relationship and masturbation. Um, and also, you know, any insight you have on porn addiction. Are you tired of feeling tired? There's one phase of sleep that almost everybody fails to get enough of, and it's called deep sleep. This is responsible for most of your body's daily rejuvenation, repair, hunger, weight loss, hormones, energy, and so much more. And chances are, if you're not loving your sleep, you're not loving your life. And one of the biggest reasons people don't get enough sleep, especially the deep state, is because they're deficient in magnesium along with 80% of the US population. Since magnesium is responsible for 300 to 600 different biochemical reactions in your body, if you don't get enough, you're likely to struggle with sleep, energy, metabolism, pain, and stress. So why is the majority of the US population missing magnesium in their body? Well, it's been missing in the soil in the United States since the 1950s. So while you can get some magnesium from certain foods like black beans, nuts, avocados, spinach, and more, if you really want to make sure you get enough, I recommend considering a supplement in addition to these foods. This is why I was inspired to share the magnesium breakthrough product I've been using every evening from BioOptimizers. This is by far the most complete magnesium product I've ever heard of with the optimal ratio of seven essential types of magnesium, including number one, magnesium chelate, which is great for muscle strength, recovery, and health. Two, magnesium malate, which helps with headaches, chronic pain, and depression. And number three, magnesium L3 and 8, which is to help you improve your brain function, including your short and your long-term memory, which we all need a little of that. 
most magnesium supplements only have two or three different types of the nutrient, which is still not moving the needle like BioOptimizers does. Head on over to www.magbreakthrough.com slash U-Term. That's www.magbreakthrough.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use the U-Term code for 10% off your order. I absolutely am loving the Mag Breakthrough product, game changer, and I hope you enjoy the 10% off. Yes. So my perspective on on all of that, on masturbation, on pornography, is that there's absolutely nothing wrong, especially with masturbation, but there's nothing wrong with porn or masturbation. Um, Again, the well, let me say one more thing. Porn addiction, you know, when it's gotten to the point of a person is kind of privately or maybe in secret or whatever watching porn and the sex between the couple isn't happening or satisfactory, that's an issue. You know, that's a, that's a big issue that needs to be addressed. And like all addictions or things like that, it's not about the thing. It's not about the porn. It's about what's driving person to use it in such a way that it's negatively impacting the relationship. So, you know, there's some psychological issues there, some things to be worked through. Um, Masturbation can be a very healthy thing. I'm a huge fan of it. And especially done in a kind of like a sensual way. We have a set of sensuality exercises we give people in our pleasure course that kind of guides you through feeling your body and noticing new touches you like, and it's slow and, and without a goal, without a goal of getting somewhere orgasmically, but really letting your body do what it wants to do. So, you know, that's, that's nice, you know, and that can be a little more conducive to pleasure but any kind of masturbation, you know, I think it's great. And again, if anything seems to be getting in the way of a relationship, those are more intimacy and psychological issues that need to be addressed. Mm, Okay. And I also figured, you know, we live in a world now where marijuana is largely legal. And by the way, on the note of erectile dysfunction, I had read that around um, 30 million men are facing it in the United States, which, which is 10%. Or, or more. I mean, that's 10% of the U.S. population. But given that roughly half of the population is men, that's almost like 20%. So, so I don't know if that rings a bell or sounds correct, but I, my sense is that it's quite common. Um, and another thing that I wanted to ask you about in that neighborhood was substances. Like, you know, mar- we have marijuana that, I mean, for me in California, it's, it's everywhere. Um, now I live in New York. It's everywhere. And I'm curious, do you have any take on substances such as alcohol or marijuana, um, anything that you think really influence sex, also foods, um, or just any take on some things that maybe we're ingesting that are seriously influencing our sex lives and we're not thinking about that or making it important to consider? So I'm not really a moral person, so I don't really have a like, these are good, these are bad sorts of things. I think people should, you know, do what they want to do. And certainly there's lots of options (laughs) these days, lots of things that are very easy to get. Um, However, I'm also a very big fan of presence in 
sex and intimacy and really being, being connected with yourself and with your partner. So if there's something that you're doing that's disconnecting you from, from your partner, that ultimately is not doing great things for your relationship and your sex life. It's not like once in a while, you know, going crazy and having some drug induced experience is a terrible thing or whatever. It's fine. But you just want that to be the standard, you know, of connection and presence. And then whatever else happens after that is, uh, is good. Okay. Got it. And, um, you know, other things that you have talked a lot about just in your work is around succeeding in various stages of relationship. Can you talk a little bit about what are the stages of a relationship? I know that there's the honeymoon period where like having sex feels like the easiest thing and then things change. Can you share like what is going on in our intimacy and in these stages of relationship that maybe do influence, um, our, our pleasure in our sexuality together? Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's really challenging because people think, oh, you know, I should know what I'm doing romantically. I should know how to have a successful relationship. And it kind of seems like other people around us do and we don't or something, but honestly, most of us weren't really taught how to have a relationship that not only stays together, but thrives over time, you know, has more and more intimacy increased turn on and passion and closeness over time. And Erwan and I have designed like a roadmap of sorts that outlines the basic stages of romantic relationship and then what the skills are that are are necessary for each stage. So for example, the kind of pre-relationship stage could be called, you know, seduction or, or flirting, you know, the main skill in that would be flirting, would be um, turning something from uh, friends or not knowing the person into something romantic, right? And there's a lot on flirting and seduction and initiation and sending signals and indicating interest and all that fun stuff. So that kind of gets you into dating. And then dating, we like to call the thriving form of dating new and exciting. You know, it's like the new and exciting part where you're getting to know the person, like you just said. Um, There's passion, there's turn on, it's easier. And there's certain skills that are necessary there that include, you know, the woman or the feminine person really being turned on and her wants and desires are being paid attention to, which of course should persist throughout the entire relationship. And also learning to have fun. You know, I mean, I remember when I first started dating Erwan and he was really good at kind of being casual and having fun. And I was more like, I want to just lock him down and get a commitment like the first month. And I still remember walking into his living room one day and we had been having all these amazing kind of sex dates and romantic dates and everything was really fun and free. And I sat him down and I said, okay, I think it's time to commit. It's been about a month. Like, let's do this. Like, let's get serious. (laughs) He was like, Alicia, he's like, you're awesome. You're amazing. I'm totally open to that with you, but like, let's not do that. Let's not like burn ourselves out. I don't think we're ready for that. And he was the first guy that had ever said that to me. I was like a lock them down kind of person. 
Um, and I respected him for that. And I could feel that it was actually true that we weren't really ready for it. So I was able to let go and have some fun. So that's the first stage. You know, the second stage we like to call best friends and lovers, which is like, you're getting closer. You might move in together. The person's your, your honey, you know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and there's different skills, you know, that include vulnerability and communication and learning sex skills, because usually this is about the time when the chemistry dies down. And um, then there's the third stage, which we call the eternal date, which is really the, the culmination of, of all of these skills coming together. And it's real commitment and cherishing the person and really having an expert level of sexual skill with each other. And it has a kind of like a transcendent eternal quality. So I just laid those out really quickly, but, um, but just to give you a sense, there's a lot of different skills that you can learn to bring into your relationship and have it be like thriving over time versus just default kind of, you know, plateauing. Mm, So interesting to listen to you because um, you indicated that sex should get better. Like it should get more connected. And I think we live in a world where people think sex kind of gets worse, you know, like it's, it's harder to want to do it or it's harder to want to connect. What are you, what do you think are some of the biggest reasons why people lose that fire? Well, there's a loss of novelty. That's one of the main reasons. And also it's like, I mean, this is, there's, there's levels of complexity, you know, like on one level, kind of a superficial level, you lose the novelty, you're spending more and more time with the person. Um, people generally just kind of get involved with more logistics together, whether that's moving in, buying a house, having children, like, you know, all this wonderful stuff, but it can take precedence over that just purely fun, sexy thing that you had with the person initially. But then, you know, if you go a little deeper, it's sort of like, you know, as we get deeper into an intimate relationship, our deeper layers of our stuff comes out, you know, our triggers, our places where we've had difficulty in the past, our conditioning, you know, from our parents and past experiences. So, um, you know, when something was kind of light and fun at the beginning, when a person gets closer to you, it might trigger some deeper insecurities or memories or something that you're not as comfortable with. So we can tend to start to avoid our partners a little bit. And then the more time that goes by, it's harder to reconnect. Then when couples have kids, that gets totally amplified because you add in loss of sleep, you know, this new little person in the house that needs all this attention. You know, we have a five-year-old, so we've lived through this and um, it just takes a lot. And then deeper things get triggered as you create a family unit, whatever from the past is influencing you can become more pronounced. So there's other reasons too, but those are kind of the main ones um, to deal with. All right. So, you know, there's so much in your brain that I'm like, okay. (laughs) So what are some of the key elements that keep chemistry and passion growing over time? And also what are some things that really challenge it? So the main thing, and these are like specifics, you know, for people that are listening, that are like, oh my God, you know, I want to start having more chemistry in my relationship. Um, You know, 
being loving towards your partner about it is the first thing it, you know, couples come to us so often where they're kind of like in a little bit, in a little bit of an issue, you know, one person's blaming the other person or they're annoyed or they're complaining about it. That's way better than not dealing with it at all. But you kind of want to like step back and be like, I love this person, you know, and maybe I've built up some resentment or I feel neglected or I feel this, I feel that, but becoming loving, saying, I love you. I want to be closer to you. Let's work on our connection. So you want to create an atmosphere of positivity and the opposite of that is what doesn't work. Then there's, you know, getting support. A lot of people use us as support. It makes it easy. Again, people feel kind of like, I should know this already, or we should know what to do. No, like if you haven't picked up a tennis racket in a really long time, you may hire a coach, you know, you don't just try to like figure it out on your own. Then there's creating time and space for the relationship. This can be a big challenge. People um, tend to prioritize everything, but sometimes um, even when they love each other very much, because there's so many things to do with work and everything on our devices and activities. And it's like, oh my God, you know, there's so much to keep us busy. So making the commitment, putting in the calendar, you know, these three nights a week are our pleasure time. Um, It's more than just a date night, you know, it's creating time and space to be together and then engaging in some different practices. You know, Erwan and I have designed 12 specific touching practices, for example, that couples can do together that range from clothed kind of nurturing nice touch to bring connection and goes all the way to the end of the spectrum of extended orgasm and stroking and sexual stuff and the couple that starts to incorporate physical touch and connection multiple times a week is the couple that's going to grow in their connection So it's really like not forgetting that quality time. But I know that a lot of couples who spend quality time, they kind of get like pokey or funny or friendy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious, do you have any thoughts on on that uh, of how to, I don't know, like keep that romantic energy and not descend into kind of like that brother, sister, roommate energy? Right. Yes. It's a really big tendency. So that couples are often like, all right, we made the time, but what do we do? Are we just going to sit next to each other and watch them watch a movie or something, which again is, is great to do. These practices are really nice because they bring in the masculine feminine dynamic. One person's laying down and like totally relaxed and the other person's touching them. And there's a communication style that we teach and it brings in that really nice touch. One person's giving, one person's receiving. There's like a a way to do it. You know, it's not rigid or anything, but there's like a a way to engage with each other that I'm telling you, sometimes people are like, what? Like weird. We haven't done this. And we've never done this. Like lay down and okay. My partner's going to put one hand on my heart and one hand on my belly. And we're going to breathe together. Like that sounds awkward or something, but if you just let yourself do it and you put some nice music on in the background and you do it for a short period of time, like you will be surprised. The connection just comes really quickly. I mean, we guide a lot of couples through that. So engaging in deliberate practices is what handles what you're asking about. 
Mm. And as far as, you know, I know that a lot of people listening are parents and there's nothing quite like kids or dogs or life responsibilities or a pandemic and being home together all the time to shift the sexual energy. So I'm curious, like what, what can we share with um, caretakers on the, who are listening, uh, parents, et cetera, to keep that spark alive or what kind of boundaries do they need to create uh, to honor their relationship? What's going on, U-Turner? This episode, I wanted to take a moment to just acknowledge one of my absolute favorite brands in the world, making the biggest impact on my day-to-day beauty and its herbal face food. It's the only skincare product that I've become so obsessed with. I use it every day. I didn't even reach out and ask them to sponsor the podcast. I wanted to just stop by and highlight one of my favorite things. I am the first person to admit that I obsess over skincare. If I could make my skin look like I'm seven years old, I probably would. And I want to share with you the one thing that I've been using that has changed my skin, and it's the Cure product from Herbal Face Foods. So if you have acne or hormonal acne or even a melasma, any discoloration on your face, it literally cured my hormonal acne in less than two weeks. It left my skin feeling so soft, so smooth. And since I'm really particular about what I put in my body, I also care about what goes on to my body. So Herbal Face Foods product is made from 57 natural botanicals and their products are antiviral and yes they are so natural that you can literally eat them though I probably don't recommend trying to I loved it so much that I wanted to reach out to them and get a discount code for you so that you can experience them so just head on over to ashleystall.com slash skin that's a-s-h-l-e-y-s-t-a-h-l.com slash skin and use the code ashley20 at checkout to get a discount on your order I love their serum and I love their cure product I use it every morning every night and it's just been such a game changer making me look younger my face look brighter I hear from so many of you I wanted instead of posting an ad right here to just share and shout out one of my favorite brands and give you this promo code of Ashley20 over at Herbal Face Foods thanks again for tuning in and back to the episode Well, it's about prioritization, you know, and like I said, Erwan and I, you know, we run this organization together, which is more than a full-time job. We love it. It's very consuming. We have our son who's amazing and we want to give him as much of our attention as we can. And a lot of people find themselves in that position where it just seems like there's not enough hours in the day, deal with the house and the kids and the work and the whatever. You have to, you have to it's not that you have to make yourself do it, but you have to ask yourself, do I want this? Am I willing to prioritize this? Maybe that means getting a sitter slightly more often than we thought we would, or we're going to work a little less, or we're going to give up, you know, one of the evenings where we're just kind of watching Netflix for three hours or whatever. Prioritizing it is what makes the difference. It's putting your heart into it. Um, we all have challenges. I mean, my, I, I, when I'm talking about this, I often remember my beloved high school English teacher and his name was Mr. Poe. And he would say these like Poe-isms. He'd say these very wise things to us as seniors in high school. And one thing he said 
was life is a piece of hard-sided luggage. If you want to put something in, you have to take something out. So that's what you have to do. And it's not easy. It's not necessarily easy. But when we become willing to do it, we we see that it can actually work. And then in terms of parents, uh, my experience is that when our kid or kids can see that they're not the center of attention every second and that the parents have a good relationship, the two of them, it makes the kid feel better and more secure. They like it. Mm, okay. And, you know, I think that a lot of sex and connection is about asking for what you want. And I know you talk a lot about how women can get what they want in relationships. So um, what are what would be true for you as far as what women's real source of power and attractiveness is? And, and what message do you have for the women listening, especially who are looking to really cultivate that? Well, often women, because of a lot of things, you know, past experiences and our culture that is just so wacky about, you know, women and femininity and this and that, um, we can often feel like disempowered or like, how do we get what we want? And the truth is, as I see it, that we as women are the source of our relationships and our sex lives. It's kind of like our domain doesn't, you know, remove responsibility from, from our partners or anything, but we carry heat. We carry sensual energy. We we're just that, that bright radiant light and how we're doing has a huge impact on how the relationship's doing. My experience is that when women are not getting what they want in their relationship, the relationship suffers. This does not exclude men. I love men. I think men should have what they want. Um, I've also found that a lot of what men want is for their woman to be happy, you know, to really be able to provide whatever it is she wants, you know, experiences and, and that type of thing to have her feel good and be happy. And so women can, they are, we are the source of our relationship lives. And if we're deliberate, about getting what we want in our relationships, then it goes better. And so what I mean specifically is it's very common. And I had this before I got involved with Erwan and before you know, I, I, I first visited some of the classes he was teaching to see, and I were dating, you know, I wasn't a student of his or anything. Um, but what I started to learn is that I had this thing with my girlfriends of kind of like man bashing, you know, like, Oh, here's how my boyfriend's screwing up now. And, you know, of course he did the wrong thing. And this sort of disempowering conversation for both men and women of like, I, as a woman, I'm not getting what I want. He doesn't have a clue. And it was sort of like, ha ha, that women can find themselves in that situation. And what I saw anyways, was that it wasn't working for me. And there's actually a way that we can get what we want from the men in our lives. So here's the basic bottom line of that, which is to have a positive relationship to our appetites and our desires, you know, like sometimes we feel, oh my God, like we're too much, or we have this very kind of conflictual relationship with our desires. And there's so much I could say about that. That would take much longer about our whole psychology around our sexuality. Um, but, you know, for a lot of reasons. So if we can make our appetites right, and we are willing to be positive 
with our partners, like, Hey, you know, you're awesome. I love you. Oh my God. You know, Hey, I want this. Hey, let's do that. Hey, you know, instead of, um, criticism, Mm -hmm. it it go, it's like that saying you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And it's really true. And some women find the challenge of not knowing what they want or being able to say it directly. Other women have the challenge of being able to be nice and friendly about it. Um, They have no problem being direct, but the the love part is a little more challenging for important reasons. So, Mm. Okay. Well, final question I have is just around novelty. Like, I feel like a lot of couples kind of get into this thing where maybe they're having sex and they feel connected and happy together, but the sex starts to feel boring and they don't really know, you know, what to do to change it or spice it up. What are, what's your standpoint on that? Like sex getting boring. And, and I imagine, I mean, isn't there just a total of like seven actual positions or six? You would know better than I, um, (laughs) and I know that there's different ways to use them, but, um, what's your message for people who are grappling with that and otherwise really happy together? So there's a couple ways to address it. Um, and a lot of people it's normal, you know, to feel a little bit like, all right, we have a routine and I'd like to mix it up a little bit. And it can seem like, okay, if we can just get into the new position or if we can just, you know, people approach this sort of erotically, which this is not wrong, but you know, erotically like, okay, well, let's, bring a person into our relationship or let's watch some porn or let's um, have you dress up, you know, or use, I don't know, whips or toys or whatever that all can be very fun. So I'm not against any of that. The, and the one thing to watch out for with that is that um, it, it can tend to have uh, decreasing returns over time because it's sort of like this new mental excitement, like, woo, you know, oh my God, I've never had you wear a fireman's hat before. But then after a while, the fireman's hat gets old, you know, now he has to like come in through the window on a rope, you know, and then like after a while that gets old. And so with erotic things like that, you can run into the same issue again. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I'm not saying people shouldn't try those things or use those things if you want to. Now, the other way to approach that is sensually, which my experience is when you are actually willing to be like present, be in your body, slow down, you know, maybe learn some techniques. We teach extended orgasm, which is clitoral stroking. I mean, Erwana and I have been together for 20 years and our sex life never gets old. I mean, it's hot. It's hotter than it was when we first got together. It's deeper because we're feeling more and more and willing to be present and going slow. And, you know, sure, there's a little erotic fun in there too sometimes, which is great. Um, but I would recommend going into sensation, into connection, and then trying new things from there. So I hope that communicates. It's not super specific, but there's definitely things that couples can do to make it not boring. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Where can everyone continue their journey with you? It feels like you have some programs. Talk to me about those. Sure, sure. So I'll say how people can get in touch with me first, and then I'll share a little bit about the different options. What I want to do basically is offer a free 
Love Life Consultation, which is an opportunity to talk to me, um, to anybody who's listening that would like to learn more about working with us. So it's some one-on-one time with me. You know, we'll get personal. You can share with me about your love life, your sex life, your goals, your challenges, your desires, and I'll coach you a little bit. And if it looks like Erwan and I can support you, then I'll lay out the different options that we have to work with us. And you can see if you'd like to do one of them. So that's the love life consultation. And there's two ways that people can set that up. So the first way is to text our school. I'll give you this number, but I'll say it now. It's 415-308-9580. That's 415-308-9580. And then Ashley, I'll also give you a link that people can click if they don't want to text. So that's one way. And then the other way is you can visit our website, which is pleasurecourse.com. So that's more if you want to just browse around. We've got all sorts of classes. We have a mastery of relationship is our most popular class. It's a weekly online group coaching class, which is super fun. Um, we have one-time classes that are online. The pleasure course is a weekend intensive. We do private coaching. We have sensual training programs, all sorts of stuff. Beautiful. Thank you so much again for coming on to the show. And U-Turn Podcast listeners, message me what you thought of this episode. It's so interesting to be kind of like branching out a little bit more in the love category and I want to support you however I can. So thanks again for listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn Podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-turns. We'll see you next week.